welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show might not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. Thank you for joining us today here at Cricket Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. <laughs> That's right. Your roles are like a D&D session that is missing a player. Yeah, that happens a little too often, right, Brandon? Blow it out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, in the past, that has been because of work. So we got a really great show for you guys today. We like to start off every show off on a high note, and we do that by giving away fat loots, compliments of our sponsors. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Brandon, who's our winner of Goblinstone today? Pajarito at play. Pajarito at play. Congratulations. If you enjoy the product, please leave Goblin, uh, head on over to goblinstone.com and leave him a review. Uh, we have a really great show for you guys today. In our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question regards, uh, in regards to players going to zero multiple times in a combat session. <laughs> our main topic today is 100 Ways to Excuse a Character's Absence by Alex Klippinger. And, of course, we top it off with a our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm. Brandon, what's going on in your realm? Uh, I just did my son's seventh birthday today Woo! at the uh, Blunt Children's Museum. It's really been seven years. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I did that. I was going to do a bunch of drawings last night. I was going to do the brawler. And I was going to do the, a logo. Like for the t-shirts that I asked for? No, fuck your t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> not, that just means that, I have to pay that, somebody that to look, do that. That look at your face. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Pretty much. See, I thought it would be super ero- easy to say, here's a picture, cut out an oval of it that can go on a t-shirt. I can still do that. I'm planning on doing that. It's just to be able to get my computer set back up and get on it. It's hard when you have a a bit teething baby who's screaming all the time. Yeah. Well, how did how did what did you do at the birthday party? Watch kids. That sounds horrible. And you set up the children's museum, horrible. so yeah. What'd you learn at the ch- children's museum? Nothing. That's fascinating. <laughs> Would you just ask one of us what's going on? Because clearly, nothing exciting is going on in your life at the moment. <laughs> Wow. Ian, what's going on in your realm? I am glad you asked. Not bloody much. <laughs> oh my god. Because <laughs> I can't really think of anything of note that happened this past week. I had a badass game of Rocket League. <laughs> oh yeah? Tell me about that. Because that's far more interesting than nothing. Just the teamwork was awesome. And that's really all there is to it. 
And it's kind of bad because I'm playing on Xbox right now, so I'm smurfing everyone. <laughs> I mean, I did play, play D&D yesterday, and I did uh, stay up for a while playing Red Dead, so that's always pretty fun. And I, like, I'm still playing uh, Sekiro on the PC, so okay. that game still kicks my butt. Yeah. But it's from the same guest as a Soul series, so go figure. Right, right. I hear it's pretty hard. Yep. Justin, what's going on in your realm? Um, so we have a YouTube channel, and I am working very hard on taking our video footage that our Patreons get to experience and snipping it into small segments for our uh, promotion. So And some of them have to be edited for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah, well, I want them to all fit together really well. So if you have a YouTube, you can follow us on YouTube. Just type in Crit Academy on YouTube, and you'll find us. We don't have enough followers yet to get a little follow thing. Um, I finished editing and putting to get lay- doing the layout for the brawler. So as of this recording, that'll become released. So definitely check that out. That archetype has been passed down through the ages by the Armstrong family. It's true. And I spent most of Saturday binge-watching Rising of a Shield Hero. Wait, you just started that? I just started that. And I watched it all in one day. All 12 episodes that are currently out. Is that King of Digger or what? Uh, yes, I really like the show. Um, in fact, our magic item is very much inspired by it. I was curious about that. It's the first magic <laughs> item that I've made that's sentient. Um, and the language and verbiage on it is very DM discretion, so I'm really excited for that. But uh, yeah. is it really sentient though? Don't we make a sword that mocks people? I don't know. Maybe I, I don't think I, I made that. I think somebody else submitted that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been I've been really busy doing a lot of that. Uh, today I bought our tickets to uh, Jasper's game day in Hollow, Michigan. Howell. Howell. What did I say? Howell. Hollow. Hollow. It's Howell. Howell. It's Howell. Howell. In Howell, Michigan, um, <laughs> at Z Games. Uh, so I'm excited for that. That's May 11th. Something like that, yeah. I think. So we kiss my birthday. Oh, yeah. happy birthday to me. Uh, uh, happy birthday, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Happy, well, in the future of you. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Satine Phoenix is going to be there. Um, that's what we were just discussing. Apparently, she was a porn star before, so <laughs> somebody... What, what Pandora's box did I open? Yeah, I immediately just Googled it and porn popped up. And Ian's like, oh, my eyes. So that was pretty hilarious. It's more like a, dude, really? <laughs> That's why we were a few minutes late getting started. <laughs> so I yeah, Okay, uh, for the record, I don't watch porn. Even I knew she was a, used to be a porn star. <laughs> yeah. That tells you something. Yeah, okay. That says he doesn't watch porn, quote, end quote. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and Brandon doesn't draw porn, right? <laughs> I'm not denying that. But I know, that, was the, that was the point. But I say that's what has happened in secret. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, yeah, so I've been really busy doing all that stuff, and it really keeps me busy. Um, Saverit, myself, and uh, our friend and patron Troy, we're all playing World of Warcraft <laughs> on Alliance side Twisting Nether. So come and join us. You can find me <laughs> as Shadow Fox. What? Tate says, I don't watch it either. I make it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um so if you're practicing a lot if, if you're into that come check us out uh, i'm having a good time i'm playing a druid i hate my race but i love the way my f- transformed look form looks so i have to deal with it <laughs> so where's you a worgen so worgens are werewolves oh, those so things, i yeah. i'm a shape changing shape changer <laughs> anyway it's like being like a undead death knight <laughs> right right yes <laughs> so how do you go from being a wolf to a bear huh you go from being a wolf to a bear? Yes. Or I go from a wolf to a cat. I turned into, I, I finally unlocked swimming travel, so I turned into a, like a walrus. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, 
Anyways, uh, that'll do it for In the Realm. Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can visit our website at CritAcademy.com, where we'll have a link to Audible.com, where you can get a free 30-day trial there, and you can also get a free ebook. And you should do it through our website, because if you do that, then we get special stuff. Yeah, we get a small kickback for it. So, Yeah. So moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, uh, we have a question here from Matt Reeson. My group are all D&D newbies. We had a scenario where a PC got taken down to zero HP, got healed, attacked, back down it to zero HP, healed, attack, rinse, repeat. <laughs> is there a mechanic that punishes players for this? Ian, is there a mechanic for that? It sounds like they were being punished for it. <laughs> yeah, they kept dropping down to zero. <laughs> <laughs> they kept on doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. <laughs> <laughs> um, mechanically, there is no, there is no mechanic that punishes that. Aside from you can go down just as quickly and you're wasting precious healing abilities. Which is definitely a punishment in itself. Right. If you really wanted to add a level of punishment to suffer for somebody who repeatedly goes down, um, the most common thing that I would recommend is A, start consuming their hit die maybe, so they have a tough time recovering after the combat. Or exhaustion. Or exhaustion. Exhaustion's pretty heavy, but that's a really good reason not to keep bringing somebody up. Because if they get six levels of exhaustion, they die. Yeah, they made exhaustion really punishing in this edition. (laughs) And as well they should have. Um, It's a powerful resource meant to be used to deal with those aspects of the game where taking damage isn't a a good enough punishment, right? Yeah. What do you think, Brandon? Actually, exhaustion was what I was thinking of. I thought it would be the best method because... If you think about it in reality, and you keep dropping down to the ground, and someone keeps coming and patching you up, it's like, okay, get back in the fight. And you get back in the fight, and you fall down again. Each time you get up, you're not going to want to keep doing it. I think watching professional boxing is a very good uh, visual representation of what you're talking about. That's a good point. Because after they get down, they fucking stumble to their feet when they get back up, and every additional time they get knocked on their ass, <laughs> okay? they're less and less stable. I think I got concussion, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Bam! So I think the exhaustion mechanic is the closest thing you're going to get. But I do think long-term, though, they are getting punished as is. They just don't know it right away. <laughs> yeah, because, well, you're, I mean, you're consuming resources to keep bringing that person up. And honestly, if I'm a healer, I'm just going to give you the finger. I'm going to say, I'm going to bring you back one more time. Your bitch ass better go hide somewhere. That actually reminds me of a post a couple months back on like the D&D Facebook group uh-huh. where one guy kept complaining Man, I keep throw, trying to throw darkness at my party. You know, like dark games, dark dark things. But they, they keep spotting all the guys that are hiding in darkness because they all have dark vision. How do I counter them with darkness? And most players are like, dude, they're equipped for darkness. Stop throwing darkness at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Pocket, I like that. Pocket. Am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> Pocket sand. Pocket sand. <laughs> Pocket sand. Mm, um, Pocket yeah, sand. this is pretty straightforward. Um, the other thing I, I think I briefly mentioned on is you can consider draining hit dice every time somebody goes down. That's not going to punish them in the current combat, but it's going to punish them in the recovery phase. So um, that way they can't quite become as effective in the following combats. Um, and those are mechanics into the game that you can utilize to dish out that additional punishment if you feel you need to do that. So I think it depends on what this character is if they're meant for ranged combat and they're up close and they keep going down then you should probably tell them something uh you shouldn't be up close well in the when the player get gets back up nothing in the game says you have to go back into combat 
go high, take the dodge action. And there's a plethora of things you can do so that you don't got to waste other people's resources in keeping you alive. I remember in the fourth <laughs> edition game, when we were first starting out, just one encounter where right off the bat we encountered a troll, and he ran up to our party tank, punched him, and took out two-thirds of his health. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, then I went to my, to my turn, and I was a heaven barbarian. I'm like, um, huh, that just happened. I run away now. <laughs> run away! And all the other players with him like, you freaking cowardly traitor! Uh, who are we kidding? He's a good idea. Run! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. That's funny. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you need to do. A good example of that was the patron game that I just ran. I put them in an encounter that was very, very difficult and nearly impossible to win. Not impossible, but damn near up there. And finally, about halfway through, the player's like, yeah, we probably should run away. Um, they're dragging the other players away. And, you know, Troy decided they, they retreat and then they ended up stalking the the slaver cart that's carrying the other players. So sometimes you have to come up with other things besides just engaging. So if you're getting knocked down over and over and over, fucking stop running into combat. Just go find somewhere to hide under a rock. Live to fight another day. Or throw rocks. Hide and then throw rocks, you know. <laughs> Anything is better than falling unconscious. I'm a barbarian that chuck boulders. <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Uh, Matt, we hope we answered your question today. Moving on to our main topic, we have 100 ways to excuse a character's absence. I love this product. Alex Klippinger, who, if you remember, is was in our previous episode we dis- discussed his uh, Go for the Eye supplement. This one here is just a, a, a fantastic product that is designed to give a light it's a lighthearted supplement for you know a situation that every single table dungeon master and player included has to deal with as adults especially we get those we get busy we get a lot of things going on especially if you have children and oftentimes there's somebody who just can't make it and part of the dm job is is coming up with a a couple different ways, right? You can just snap your fingers and say, okay, they, they're they gone. Um, you can just pretend they never existed. Or you can come up with a, a valid reason of why they are missing. Just don't have their character there as a wind-up toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is some option. Sometimes they give the player over to another, the character over to another player or the DM takes control. Um, and there's a lot of risks that inherently come in that. What happens if the character dies or something like that? So Yeah. Um, that's Side- Side note, don't kill a player's character when he's not there. Right, right. And so this really won't be happy. This really uh, <laughs> uh, lends to that. So um, this su- supplement is pretty interesting because not only is it divided by classes, but they give reasonings depending on where you're at. So they split it between in a city or urban, se- uh, urban setting or wilderness. And it gives reasons that fit that location or why they are missing. So we've, there's over, there's a hundred of these things. So we've picked, I think, about 10 that we're going to discuss as a group. You know, it just occurred to me that none of the, these are reasons involved. My wife, wife is giving birth. <laughs> Uh, hey, Alex, you should make it 101. <laughs> if my wife is giving birth, should just be under the general section. Or for that matter, we couldn't find a babysitter, so I had to stay home. <laughs> my son broke his arm, he's got gangrene, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so we've picked a, a, a few that we really, really like out of here. Um, there is a link in the show notes to pick up your own copy. Um, it is only one buck, so it's worth picking up. Um, this is a powerful, powerful tool, and some of these things are hilarious. So let's get to it. I buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Needs me to run the camera. Yeah, I would love to have a cameraman. 
I, maybe we're gonna give Brandon a promotion. How I, would you like to be cameraman? I think uh, Taylor's talking about his uh, porn days. Oh, <laughs> his porn days. <laughs> oh my god! That'd be great. It's like, all right, Tate, you ready? Ready to go? All right, let me get the camera ready. Put the lens cap back on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I forgot to take the lens cap off. <laughs> Gotta do it all over again. Come on, come on, honey. Let's 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 get one more. You got some more in you, or do you need a break? Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, all right. <laughs> all finished video for beards. Oh, um, he's not even jerking or anything like that. He's just buffing his beard. Puts some whipped cream on it. It's like mm, that beard. licks off his own beard. <laughs> <laughs> This just keeps getting worse. You're in the uh, porn industry? Which part? The beard. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um, so this is really great. So inst- instead of having a hollow shell of their character dangly, dangle silently along behind the party like a spooky adventuring flesh puppet, or avoiding, you know, mentioning them like they're, you know, about to be snatched up by the thought police, try using some of these awesome... Uh, ideas from the supplement so one of the very first one that i thought was absolutely hilarious comes from the cleric and it's the cleric in the city oh yeah some punk kids trashed a local shrine as they do sometimes the cleric is a little short on their temple service quota and they've missed a few too many holy days while out adventuring they're going to stay back and help with cleanup now this is fantastic because you could easily turn this into a hook if you needed to. Oh yeah. Um I could easily see this becoming like, okay, they're vandalizing this stuff. Is there some meaning behind it? Is there a cult that did it? Is there a a group of bandits that did it, you know? So the what makes these really interesting besides being hilarious that the cleric has to do community service is that you can utilize these as a hook as well. Ian, uh, what one is one you really liked? Well, one that I liked quite a bit was from the uh, Bard, and it was like, a, a devil kidnaps the Bard to a fiendish plane. When they return, they remember competing with some of the devils for their soul. They're pretty sure they won. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, of, uh, little bit of suspense there, huh? Yeah. I think I won. <laughs> I really like that. That's really funny. I would, I would expect something more like a warlock for that, but that's hilarious, because... Well, the warlike does have some voices in their head ones. But <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, do you have a favorite? Yeah. Uh, I got Rogue in a City. Uh, number two, the rogue is saving a cat from a tree. Uh, when you see the wealthy noble waiting tearfully nearby, you're pretty sure you get what's going on. You're sure they'll catch up later. <laughs> <laughs> After their, point, their pocketbook or their coin purse is a little fuller. <laughs> Um, I like this one because it's it's general and it's not specific to a particular class. <laughs> an insurance company summons you to court to testify in an adventure-related damage claim. <laughs> None of you are in legal trouble, but it's necessary formality. Paperwork needs to be done. <laughs> the character in question draws the short straw, short, short straw and agrees to testify. So once again, to me, this is really interesting because. And at what point did the fireball get fired off by the wizard? <laughs> <laughs> there could be some uh, some really cool role play that comes from it, especially if the player and the DM kind of work something out shortly after they come back. You know, you as the DM could, as as Ian just you know 
um, pointed out, you could say, okay, the incident revolved, uh, involved this thing you guys blew up. So you want to, when you come back, you want to kind of touch on that a little bit. Here's some bullet points. Hey, man, I thought that treasure chest was a mimic. <laughs> I wasn't trying to break into it. I was trying to smash it because I thought it was a monster. <laughs> Um, what's really cool about these general, the one like this one, is you can use this multiple times because adventurers are always blowing shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Ian. Another one I liked, too, was the uh, Barbarian, and I kind of related to this one a little bit too much because I have played a Barbarian in the past who definitely had the alcoholic problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, the Barbarian agreed to test something the brewer called Fire Ale. <laughs> the uh, sounds and smells coming from the bathroom indicate that the test was not a success. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone right now is really glad he's got a concrete outhouse or granite outhouse. <laughs> did we? Uh, did, did he just yell fire in the hole from the latrine? <laughs> <laughs> See, so the, uh, so what makes that one interesting um, is that it touches on something that doesn't get brought up often is going to the bathroom as adventurers. You got an entire little segment explaining why the person's gone. Didn't I think that happened in Critical Role. I think Grog like had to destroy a toilet or something. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they were hiding in it. Jeez, I don't remember. But uh, it was pretty funny. So that's a really good one because that deals with bodily functions. So once again, you can twist and turn that a little bit to fit really any any character in any situation if you need it multiple times. Okay. Or a few weeks back when I had the flu. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you made. I think you made me sick. I lost six pounds in four hours. <laughs> Jeez, dude, nasty. Brandon, do you have another one? Yeah. I got a ranger in the wild, and this one actually caught my attention, too. Uh, the ranger spies a rare plant, known for its medicinal properties. They'll have a healer's kit or a refreshed and existing one when they return, but it's going to take time to harvest the delicate plant properly. And I like that because even though the player is gone, they come back and they have a healer's kit. They, they, yeah, they've gained. They've literally gained something. Although, one can make an argument, it could be for medicinal use in air quotes. <laughs> um, uh, I actually like that for a multitude of reasons. Because it includes the fact that, A, they, they, they gain an actual benefit when they return for being gone. Uh, which isn't something that happens very often. There's a mechanical benefit. But it also, once again, adds to something that fits the class. The ranger is the person who's going to go in and seek out these different materials um that that are for poisons or to 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 help people so once again you could easily change that that they might have found something for medicinal or for uh <laughs> either a drug use right yeah. ian or maybe some sort of of poison so you could easily change out the the healer's kit to like a poisoner's kit or or something <laughs> similar so ranger what took you so long i had to deal with a high dragon oh man that's all stuff no 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 it was a high dragon he was growing weed <laughs> 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 the forest caught fire and filled it with weed smoke. <laughs> I, I could go for some tacos. Or like uh, like kind of like in that commercial for what we do in the shadows, that vampire show is coming out. When I found the humans that you left in the basement, they're all half drunk. Where'd they find the alcohol? No, they're half drunk. As in you only drank half their blood and left them there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. At least finish your human. <laughs> So one of the ones that I really liked is uh, the Sorcerer in the City option. One of them says, a gang of elderly wizards beat up the Sorcerer, shouting insults like, wild surge out of this, <laughs> and nice bloodlines, asshole. 
The local guard will need the sorcerer to stick around to identify the culprits while they round up every old ass person <laughs> in, in the town oh that could be an elderly wizard. Um, first of all, I think it's hilarious because this does this shows something pretty interesting, right? That there's a little bit of tension be, could be some tension between wizards and sorcerers, right? I mean, can you blame the old bastards? They have to spend all this time studying, and this little pond-sized brat can just show up and point his finger, and fire shoots out of it. <laughs> that reminds me of that one chart breakdown of like uh, how each uh, spell casting class know how to cast magic, and the last one was with the bard. I just insulted the guy and he died. It was weird. That is weird. <laughs> What's it? The the wizard has to read a book. Yep. The sorcerer oh just has to come from a. Is empowered by the blood of his ancestors. Right. That's... Did you assault this uh, sorcerer? That bitch has half blood deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what kind of dragon's blood he's got in him. <laughs> That's not funny. Ian, do you have another one? <laughs> the monk. And this was in the wilds. The monk meets a master of a rival or different order. Rather than fight them, the monk expresses their deep respect for the master's skill and has to learn. The master, though understanding that they follow different paths, but is deeply moved, sits with the monk and begins sharing his wisdom. The monk of respect will not depart until the master has finished speaking. <laughs> so he just gets stuck there because <laughs> the guy is talking like this looks like every trap with old people i mean look at tate it's a perfect example you start talking to him and it never ends oh my god <laughs> as a guy when i'm at church this happens all the time we uh, had a group meeting today and there was a lady she, i love her to death she's awesome but she never knows when to stop talking so we're there like an extra 20 minutes listening to her rant about something that's not relevant <laughs> um, and so I feel a like few. that's that's kind of what's going on here, right? Yeah. For starters, the way at the path of the lotus is not a journey towards the door, but a walk towards the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes on a non-continually random uh, rambling speech. And and while these are specific to classes, you can you can change them, right? There's nothing that says that that couldn't be like a. Uh, 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 a wizard, you know, uh, talking to his apprentice about a specific spell and incantation or something like that, right? So, yep. Now, uh, it's another range of one in the wilds. I noticed that uh, three of the four, you actually gain something from it. Well, that's cool. And I'm going to choose the one where you don't gain anything. Okay. And let's see, it's a uh, ranger in the wilds, number four. The ranger spots evidence of one of their favorite enemies. They break off to pursue these signs until they're satisfied their hated enemies aren't nearby. Did someone say goblins? <laughs> they make a mistake. Damn it. He comes back all angry. I traced that tra trail for three days and it was stinking kobolds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I like so that that's a really cool one for that very reason, right? Because you can come up with a reason of why it wasn't, and you can add a lot of flair to it every time, um, which I think is awesome. <laughs> Stinking cobalts. Why do I got to wear the same kind of boots? <laughs> what do you guys think about that one? Definitely. I mean, and it does fit the class, too, because favorite enemy. <laughs> right, right. And that, once again, that's, that's, what, that's important, right? Because they tied a class feature into the why, excuse of why they're absent. Yeah. Was, um, what was it? Where have you been? Well, I've been trying to track down my favorite enemy. I found some footprints that looked exactly like kobold prints. I followed them to a nearby town. I found out that some schmuck kid made a new line of designer shoes that makes <laughs> these prints into the dirt. And now they're everywhere. 
<laughs> Bloody bastards. Or uh, maybe in some cases, like, uh, let's say your favorite enemy was, like, uh, Trolls, for example. And I remember there's one adventure in the past where we, like, uh, were journeying through, like, the countryside. On, and then we saw a troll walking up to a herd of sheep and picking one up. And we're all like, we must protect the sheep! <laughs> get, get attacked. And we, Attack and someone, sh- sh- of course, sh- shot the troll. Or if we go, ow! Why you hurt Bill? <laughs> you're, you're, yes, my sheep! There's Bill's sheep! <laughs> They're all his sheep? Oh! You, you, um, you, drag, you drag him into a town. Sorry. And you see the kobold and you kill him and everyone's all, all going, <gasps> and like, whoa, what's wrong? I destroyed the monster. It's like, it's Kobold Con. You killed a cosplayer. <laughs> oh, no! Get, get, or, that was our local fur trailer, you dick! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Is there any classes we haven't covered? I know we didn't do the warlock. Uh, wizard? Do you have one of a class we haven't done yet? No. Because <laughs> the, the other two I picked was like a, what's my rogue and a sorcerer? I guess yeah, I'll mention, uh, mention them, which was a generic one. Which is actually still pretty hilarious. Okay, which one's that? Okay. Uh, I'm going to scroll back to the top. Um, that's not the top. That's the exact episode of the top. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a wizard and it's funny. This one was my honorable mention, and it was an avatar of a god of death, or death itself, suddenly appears and drags the character in question screaming out of this plane of existence. <laughs> what the fuck? Eventually, the avatar returns with the character in question, apologizing for the mix up, and mothers something about smudged writing. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I hate when they write in blood. <laughs> Stupid clerical error. <laughs> this is the last time I let my internet schedule. It's a clerical error. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. You, that was Aaron with an A? Not an E? Crap. And who the hell was that that I just murdered? <laughs> <laughs> just imagine describing that to the rest of the party. Oh, that's funny. Look, look, at, the, look at the first one. So this one? Yeah, the, yeah that's the, what I'm going to read. That's that's the, that one's yeah. funny. Um, so uh, the last one we're going to talk about is the wizard in the city. The wizard is left a drooling idiot by a spell experiment gone awry. He returns from the healing cleric sometime later, insisting he was transported to another world and married the ruler of a planner pygmies. Sure, friend. Sure you did. Um, <laughs> I, I really like this because... Um, the cool thing about wizards in, that that doesn't get touched on is when you level up, it's because they spend their time every night experimenting and learning new spells. That's how you gain new spells as part of your your everyday um, rest. You're con- the, you're understood to constantly be experimenting. So something like this fits perfectly. And the druid would be like, "What the heck did you experiment with for material components? And where can I get some?" um and what you can really and and this is really cool because yeah sure you you married a ruler of planar pygmies but you can teleport anywhere and then make some bs um flavor to it um to easily fit whatever you want once again allowing it to be something that could easily be reused if you needed but then tense 10 sessions later when the wizard goes down suddenly a portal appears in the air and pygmies rush out we must protect our lord! <laughs> pygmies run out! <laughs> but they're not pygmies, they're cosplayers. <laughs> so you massacre them all. Okay. So we kind of gave you a small sample of the amazing collection of these that are in this book. It's a hundred ways to excuse a character is a powerful resource. And at one dollar, you can't really 
you can't complain for the price. It is so much content. By the way, the art in here is really nice as well. So overall, what are your guys' thoughts on this this product? I think it's definitely a good way to uh, deal with something that does come up quite a bit, unfortunately, in many groups. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of different ways to um, do deal with missing people. And it's definitely something, like, as a DM, I'm not super great at. I usually just eh, hand wave them away most of the time. Um, I spend more, far more effort when I'm bringing new players in than I am just like, oh, he's not here. You know, I know in one game I ran the sword ma- or the, the gun mage when you weren't here because I was still playtesting it. So I'm like, I can't lose a playtest session because you didn't show up. So Yeah, it sucked. But for any other uses, this is really cool. And it, they're, they're on die rolls, so, right? So you can roll a die and determine these randomly every time you play, which is fantastic. They're very in-depth. Um, and overall, it's just fantastic quality product. Alex did an absolutely great job. I definitely recommend um, picking it up. You'll find, you can find a link to it in our show notes. I think what would be fun is if he remade a new one. Because uh, I, I say this because I haven't seen any negative effects in any of the uh, tables. <laughs> so I think it'd be funny if it's like, if you put at the beginning at the beginning of the next book says, uh, "What is the player's excuse for not coming?" It's like, "Oh, I have to work." I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes that makes sense. Let's give him a positive outcome." It's like, "Why aren't you going? To, why aren't you coming to play?" Because I'm getting some pussy. It's like, okay, some negative outcome. Oh, so, uh, I see. All right, uh, think- you're missing half your shit when you come back. <laughs> Fucking thief stole it. Actually, there's totally one with actually half the bard ones seem to yeah. cover that. Oh, did they? I don't think we covered any bard ones. Yeah, well, one of the bard ones was. Um, oh yeah, we did. Don't worry, guys. I'm just resting some medical treatment for that rash. No, that cleric didn't save it. Any real. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, it's a great product. Definitely pick it up. It's worth worth the worth the payment. Yeah, you could call it 100 punishing ways to excuse a character. <laughs> <laughs> So that'll do it for our main topic today, 100 Ways to Excuse a Character's Absence by Alex Klippinger. Great job. I love this product. Please pick it up. Um, you'll find a link in our show notes, and we'll get a small kickback if you do. Can we determine if it was Klippinger or Klippinger? I don't fucking know. <laughs> so before we move on to our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, we have another gift to give away compliments of our sponsor. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is R. Vindum. Congratulations, R. Vindum. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Lorsmith a review and let him know what you thought of the product. And for the record, that is just the letter R in the front. Arr, matey. <laughs> Arr, matey. Uh. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. First of all, I want to thank uh, 
Montague G, he submitted a plethora of content. So I plopped mo- all of it into one episode. So you <laughs> basically wrote my UTT this week. So thank you. <laughs> Brandon, would you like to tell us about our character concept? Character concept by Montague G. Uh, yeah, there's no title, I don't think. Yeah. One of my players really loves dragons and was curious if there was a way to play one. I had been beating my head against a wall trying to come up with something before listening to your show. So I merely reflavored a race to match this. The Sealed Dragon is the Dragonborn race traits with the appearance of any choice of humanoid. The Sealed Dragon was found by abandoned adventurers when it was just a wormling after killing its mother. Aw. Like Bambi. <laughs> as in the adventures killed the mom, and then they found the baby? Mm-hmm. That's what the like band of adventures, yeah. Because I read it as the wormling killed its mother. <laughs> 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 Unable to bring themselves to kill the infant dragon, they brought it along with them, until finding a powerful mage to steal away its true identity in the physical body of a humanoid. Unfortunately, some attributes still remain, i.e. claw-like nails, reptilian eyes, a smattering of scales on a specific part of the body, <laughs> etc. The seal dragon can be raised as a normal humanoid or possibly even told of their true nature at a certain age. The truth is revealed uh, through... Oh, though. The truth is revealed... He changed it, but it was though. Though. Thanks, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) The truth was... The truth was revealed, though, when in a threatening situation and an eruption of flames, ice, poison, lightning, whichever, uh, erupts from their mouth in defense. This particular player is a huge fan of Naruto and was absolutely ecstatic after reading the race and making a comparison to the fox spirit inside of Naruto while being completely unaware of the reskinning of the Dragonborn. Okay. What do you guys think about this? That's sexy. I mean, we are into reflavoring all the time. This... Definitely is a good example of that. So. Oh, yeah. The the player had, didn't have a clue. And um, what I think is cool is the, the DM has said, okay, you can pick any human race, humanoid race you want, and that's what you're going to look like. But you're going to have all the benefits of this other race. Now, he didn't tell him that he's a dragonborn, but he basically let him pick whatever race. So this could be looking like a tiefling or a halfling or a goliath, you know. And that right there is awesome, Montague. Um, so kudos to you. And I'm glad you tossed the like into our show that, that we, you know, kind of help encourage that. Also, I'm a huge fan of Naruto. So I love the idea that this monster is sealed inside of this and it's, his energy is like seeping out, which is fantastic. Um, and I love the little subtle flavor you give, like his scales showing on his body or his reptilian eyes and stuff like that. All those little details are really what help define a character. When I read that, it made me think of like a Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I'm not really your father. No crap, you're a goose. <laughs> He's a panda. <laughs> I just found out that my dad is not actually my real father. Your dad, the goose. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny, too. It's like, hey, it's you're, you're 16 now today. It is your birthday, and I got a special gift for you. It's like, really? Yes. You are, in fact, a dragon. <laughs> I wanted a fucking crossbow. I d- <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny or maybe it's like one of those spoiled 16 year old kids you're actually a red dragon red i wanted to be blue <laughs> why did you make me blue the goddamn pen is blue, blue. <laughs> that's what i was saying 
Hey, at uh, least it's not a not brass dragon. <laughs> What's wrong with brass? This guy is so freaking annoying. Oh, I was just going to say he's got big, giant brass balls. Write it. Uh, Write it. I'll break it off. I love Liar Liar. I think that'll do it for our character concept, the sealed dragon. Ian, would you like to tell us about our monster variant today? We're going to kill this monster variant, the slagworm. Ooh. The origin of this was the Grick Alpha, and they gain immunity to fire. Ooh. Yeah, change the tentacles to flaming tendrils, and half the damage is done as fire. Ooh. What's the difference between tendrils and tentacles? Um... Tendrils generally flail wildly, and tentacles usually are. What is the pre prehensile? What is the prehensile? Prehensile. More dexterous. Yes. Well, dexterous. And they also gain, gain the heated body. A creature that touches the slagworm or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it takes ten or two d ten fire damage. Ouch. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna sting. I think the Greek the Greek alpha is like a CR seven or something, so it's not that bad. And it gains a legendary action, flame wave, which recharges on the five or six. Each creature w- within thirty feet of the worm must make a DC fourteen dex save. And uh, they take a 48 flame damage on a failed save, or half as much on a success. Ooh. So what do you guys think about this? Uh, the, I don't want to play the, the floor is lava against this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the floor is lava. No, it fucking isn't, Mom. It's a carpet. Get your eyes checked. <laughs> so the flame wave is like a... A radius attack? Yeah, it sends out for centered on him and all uh, each creature in 30 feet of the worm. So it Ow. sends it out like in a wave of fire and hits everyone pretty much. It's almost guaranteed to hit if they're it's guaranteed to hit if they're in range. You're basically saving to take half as much, maybe halfway ducking behind something, you know? Say, the, and then the rogue or the monk screws that up. <laughs> say with the decks with the deck saved, yeah. uh, the way it's worded made me think it's like a a disc of fire that shoots out from them. Yeah, so it if comes, you do, comes out. If you do succeed on that deck save, you, you're ducking underneath it. Ah, uh, no, you're still taking damage though, unless you've got special attributes like Ian over here is pointing out. Um, this is a fun encounter, but I think what makes it you can increase the damage quite a bit on the flame wave and put key parts, uh, like like uh, objects for the players to hide behind in the uh, in the area. So like pillars or stone boulders or maybe houses, you know, some sort of objects so that you can increase the damage. So it's far more devastating, but they can hide behind stuff, right. Or get out of range of it and enforce this to be like a core mechanic, right. That comes around, you know, uh, at the end of somebody's turn, but because it's a legendary action, you can wait until the the players all like get close to you before you unleash it the first time, right? <laughs> and then you know you're surrounded. Your your slagworm is surrounded by melee players, players, rogues, fighters, barbarians. Then all of a sudden it just rip, rips this nasty flaming fart and sending out this <laughs> wave of fire and just wrecking their faces. Um, and I, I love stuff like that. The fact that you're punished just striking it is pretty awesome. I kind of envision this thing being a giant, like, purple worm kind of thing, but it's got, like, it's made of, like, rock, and it's got magma flowing through it and stuff. I think that sounds awesome. Liquid hot magma. Um, and this would really go great with a really cool bitchin' lair action, like random spurts of magma or something like that. You know what I think would make a fun boss version of this? What's that? Like an alpha-like worm, where you can give it... Uh, a burrow ability, and wherever it burrows to, it turns uh, the terrain that it's passing through into lava. 
and turns Ooh. it into a difficult terrain. Well, we could go after that, but... You could um, just... You could use this and just give it the burrow feature, because I think that's dope as hell. Or maybe they're fighting on the side of a volcano, and every time it pops up out of it, magma spews out of it. So the longer the battle rages, the more hazards are on the field. <laughs> Damn, that sounds awesome. That'll do it for our monster variant, the, the la- slagworm. <laughs> the lava graboid. <laughs> the slagworm. <laughs> Our encounter of the podcast also comes from Montague G. A hermit druid in the woods fears there is corruption spreading from deep within the woods. In return, the druid will offer the players a particularly rare magic item or an object that is desperately required for story purposes. <laughs> I love MacGuffins. Unbeknownst to the players, that is not the actual trial. The true trial is encountered when, while in the woods, the party becomes alert to the sound of hoof beats. Oh, you beat me to it. I love it. Coconuts. <laughs> what initially appears to be 50 or so cavalry units is actually two rows of centaurs approaching from one side. From the other side approaches about 50 or so weemies. What the heck is a wimmick? Uh, a a, a wimmick? Is a wimmick? Um, 50 or so wimmicks. Uh, somebody Google that. I'm, I am like, oh, the upper half is a human, but the lower half is a lion. Well, there you go. <laughs> race war. <laughs> Both races have been incapable of acquiring enough sustenance to feed their tribe. After a moment, the chieftain of each tribe rides forth to the party, begging their assistance in defeating the other in combat, so at least one group may survive as opposed to both dying out. Oh, shit. Can I just kill half of of each group and get on with it? Yeah, why don't you just snap your fingers? (laughs) 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 That's how you solve the problem. If the party does agree to help one side, it is quite obvious they would be able to overpower the opposite side of, of the fight. In desperation, the two of them begin offering increasingly more valuable objects, starting out with the golden statuettes of deities and heroes, then priceless gems, bags of gold, items of varying rarity, uh, up to artifact if the DM so wishes. In reality, this is the true test. The druid is testing not only the player's ability to resist pointless bloodshed in the name of greed, but also understanding the natural order of things. All the party has to do is refuse whatever is offered to them and walk away. If the party goes the extra mile of brokering peace, all the better. Regardless of their choice, after they fight, leave, and bring peace, the druid appears before the party, congratulating or reprimanding them, depending on the decision they've made. If the party fails, the druid sends them on their way, unwilling to hear out the party any further. If they walk away, they are congratulated for not being overcome with greed and allowing the natural order of life to run its course. If they manage to bring peace to the tribes, the druid the druid can go as far as to offering a little more, albeit information, object, or whatever is needed, etc. Or... Or you guys can each of your groups to take half your warriors for, for, for my band of mercenaries and get more resources that way and bring it back to the tribe. Form a band of mercenaries. Yeah, and get paid. That I, you know what, you if you delivered like information to places like schedules and uh, places like merchants that are traveling and stuff, be like, yeah, here you go, just rob these guys. They got plenty of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. To walk away. I got fat loots. They made out okay. Life is good. <laughs> What do you think, uh, Brandon? Uh, 
I believe that all D&D players, by heart, are greedy as fuck. <laughs> yes. So I don't think there is any scenario, unless they're listening to this podcast, <laughs> where they are going to say, no, we are not going to accept your bags of gold. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, You guys know I'm a big fan of moral ambiguity, and this really tests it, because really, neither of these groups are necessarily inherently evil. They're just trying mm-hmm. to survive. So... I, th- I, I, you know what? I disagree with you, Brandon. I actually think that players could possibly come up with a very, um, unique situation. Honestly, as a player, I would consider, why don't you just give us all that s- stuff you are going to give us? We'll go and we'll buy you some food or something. Right? You've got all this value. You just need to find a place to, to exchange it for whatever you need. Right? Maybe you hire people to br- constantly come and stop by here to (laughs) deliver food to you from other places like so you two you're running out of food it's not enough for both of you but you're you have all these gold statues and bags of gold is there not a town nearby (laughs) (laughs) at the very least you know i'm sure there's uh uh a few after the (laughs) fight starts a few people will deliver meal you know you could do like 10 of them volunteer and do like a Hunger Games thing, right? And then whoever doesn't make it just becomes temporary, you know, meals. <laughs> right? I don't know. It's like cannibalism, dude. Well, you know what? It, it depends on what <laughs> half they eat, right? If the human half eats the animal half, is it really cannibalism? Because <laughs> really, how are they going to know the difference, That's right? Up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I feel like uh, I do think players could really come up with a lot of different ways to overcome this challenge. I think it's a fantastic challenge. Um, I really would like to see what would happen with the druid and his reasonings behind it, but uh, I guess that's for another another way. We need a name for this, you guys. Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm moving um, up. <laughs> um, that'll do it for our encounter uh, of the podcast, Natural Order. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Oh my god, the cardinal. This week's magic item is the cardinal. It is armor, and it is a shield. It is very rare, and requires attunement by a creature of good alignment. Found hidden away in an ancient menagerie. Menagerie, dude. Seriously? (laughs) Shut up. Do you not play video games? No! (laughs) I play Rocket League. Is there a menagerie in Rocket League? (laughs) There could be. (laughs) Is a menagerie anything like a menagerie trois? No! Mm, I'm gonna ask Satine. Found hidden away in an ancient menagerie, its ivory shape appears to have some sort of black gem like hole in the center, lined with razor sharp teeth upon it. While holding the shield, you have a plus two bonus to AC in addition to the shield's normal bonus. That's huge. Deva- is this. Uh, That's the feature. A feature? The shield's feature is called Devour Corpse. You may spend a short rest to allow the shield to devour an evil creature, larger, or large or smaller, unless it is a construct. A creature who has been devoured can be restored to life only by a wish spell. When it devours a creature, the cardinal shield grants you access to a unique action of that creature. This new feature can, u- can be used three times a day as an action. Sentience! Cardinal is a sentient neutral good shield with an intelligence of 14, a wisdom of 10, and a charisma of 16. It is a beautiful shield. The Cardinal can hear out 
<laughs> the Colonel can hear out to 30 feet away. While attuned to it, Cardinal understands every language you know. His personality is the Cardinal communicates by transmitting emotion to the creature attuned to it. While it cannot speak, it sends emotional touches to the user's mind, encouraging them to conquer evil and allow it to devour monsters of darkness. It doesn't care what monsters it devours as long as it doesn't have a pure heart, which is a good alignment. Cardinal shape changes once it's devoured a monster. It takes on a new form based on primary features of that which it devoured. Cardinal turns into a shape similar to the beast's head. When the new abilities are used, a spectral form of the creature emerges to execute the action. Monster stats are always used for the effect. DM chooses the action. Feature gained from the stat block. That's where we'll stop right there. Um, so the idea behind this, first of all, it's a sentient creature who's out to devour creatures of darkness. Evil! Um, and when it does, the shield itself changes and uh, gains you access to a random feature or a feature determined by the DM in action that that creature had. Now... This includes basic features like bites or attacks, right? So if it's a bite, let's say you devour a, um, I don't know, I need a, I need a creature, a demon, right? You devour a small a small demon that has like a bite or a claw attack. Um, the the shield then shape shifts and changes to kind of take on that form a little bit. But when you channel the power, a spectral form leaps out of the shield and executes it. Imagine if a form of the demon jumps out and, you know, rakes massive claws across to cut somebody. Or a dragon's head emerges and breathes fire. Or uh, something similar to that. What do you guys think about that? That's sexy. It's very nice. It made me think of the Blue Mage, actually, from Final Fantasy. Yeah, um, that was kind of one of the things that... In- or the main character in... Um- that one time I get reincarnated as a slime. I haven't seen that, but this actually came to me from the rising of a shield hero. Right. Um, in that the guy's got a shield that he feeds, you know, stuff to and he unlocks new features. Yep. And I thought that that would make great for a, a, a special sentient shield, something that can, can be an offensive capability or utility capabilities. Um, I like that it sends its emotion to its, uh, attuned user. Mm hmm. Because <laughs> I, I think they can make for awesome roleplay. It's like everyone just got done from coming from the pub, and they're on their way for an adventure, and the paladin or whatever wrenches down and goes, Oh, God, I'm in my stomach. I'm like, what? Are you hungry? We just ate. It's like, no, my shield's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find evil now. <laughs> uh, what's really cool is that once you defeat a monster, you can choose and change the abilities. So you could fight the same monster and potentially get different abilities if it's determined to be random by the DM's choice or if the DM just outright picks the best one. I would leave it random personally. Killer Gorgon gets a, gets a stone gaze ability. Yeah, right there. Right, eating a Gorgon gets a stone gaze ability. You know, so um, and if you, a squirrel attacks you, <laughs> would you consider it evil? Well, and that was the next thing I wanted to talk on. It was originally <laughs> designed for evil, but you could probably make this any sort of creature that's not good, right? So anything unaligned or, or, or farther down the alignment. Because I would love to shoot an angry squirrel at someone. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking shield, a little uh, spectral shield pops out and throws a spectral nut at you. <laughs> How about you like some nut in your face? <laughs> uh, that's or, funny. Or consume the porcupine? Yes. <laughs> like just, oh, just does a thousand needles like fucking Cactor. That'd be dope. <laughs> or they take damage when they hit you because of the needles. Ooh, that's good. I like that. 
I like that. And so they, they just like pops up as they attack you. That's cool. Um, all right, that'll do it for our magic <laughs> item, the Cardinal Shield. Oh my gosh, what creature did that Kazoom last? <sighs> it was a skunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Ian, would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip? Our Dungeon Master tip, once again, comes from Montague. Invisible modifiers and shifting DCs. Don't be afraid to use invisible modifiers to players' roles on occasion. There are moments where the dice just not do what the players want them to do, even though they should be able to do it, but by all means. Failure and chance are two very real aspects of the game, but every now and then, and if a success would have made for an incredibly interesting situation, don't be afraid to uh, fudge the die roll in their favor a little bit by adding a small modifier. And this can also help uh, help balance out a situation in the game, such as if you're using like a module, for example, but none of the characters' archetypes quite fit the uh, situation sometimes. Right, right. And uh, perhaps a uh, check that would... They would be certainly be able to pass based off their character, but due to gimmick hacks, it's unlikely. Kind of give them a small nudge in a certain direction, or another way you could just just like just lowering like the DC just behind the scenes. What? I added that so I would remember to say it, and you stole my thunder. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah, I actually think this is a great tip, and honestly, um, one of the big complaints people have is the proficiency system and the lack of skills, right? So if you really wanted to increase the success of people who are proficient versus people who are not, you could easily give like a secret secret negative modifier um, if you chose to do that. Personally, I just change DCs. I do it all the time on the fly. If somebody's proficient, I will usually lower it by like two points or come uh, from what I target is, or I will increase it from two points for the target if it's somebody that's not. Um, depending on the mood that I'm feeling in, because sometimes there are situations where players might know something, but then somebody says, Oh, I want a history. I want to give a history check on this, this statue for this place. I've never been. Well, the person that's not trained in history, if you've never been there, the odds that you've stumbled across information on that particular location is very unlikely. But if the guy's trained, if somebody's trained in proficiency, I'm more likely to be like, well, I'm going to lower the DC a little bit. It'd be like, uh, if, uh, Captain America needed to roll a DC check about World War II history, but somehow failed it, even though he lived it. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so I totally can see the 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 use of these and adjusting these on the fly. What do you think, B? I think it's a a very helpful tip because it makes me think of uh, a scenario that I had in my head when you were talking. It's like, okay, so what'd you roll? Uh, I rolled a twenty-one. You hit. I hate to metagame, but I know the 21 misses. There's a pebble in his shoe. You hit. <laughs> There's a pebble in his shoe. <laughs> yeah, that happens. And you, you do have to be wary of this, though, because yeah, some players are much. really mm. good at tracking that. Like, um, And let's face it, you still want to have challenge in the game, too, because, uh, no, let's face it, basically having auto-success <laughs> on the entire time kind of ruins the fun. Yeah, you in some cases, and I think that's where just not adding a, a DC is even needed. Just you succeed. Yep. If there's no chance of failure. Now, once again, for me, this is, I, I generally just change the DC, and that is very specific, very particular circumstances. It's not something I do all that often. Uh, that's not true. I do it. I do it often enough. Probably at least once in every session that I run. Um, but usually, I have a good reasoning to myself of why I would do that. Um, but that's just yeah. my thoughts. So roll a history check to, to find a secret pa- passage. <laughs> oh, you fail. 
But I know where the secret patch is. No, you don't. I built the fortress. Yeah, I live here, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Invisible modifiers and shifting DCs. You know, I'm actually kind of disappointed that Taylor didn't respond to my comment. <laughs> I can't even read that shit. So. He's like, yeah, this shit's like watching a dot 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 Mary Pipe. A bunch of drag philosophy students trying to justify their major. <laughs> <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Don't take things personally. Yeah. Oh, oh this this tip also comes from Montague. Thank you, Montague, for writing my unearthed tips and tricks today. I, w- I was looking through, scouring through our unearthed tips and tricks, and I had not done this yet. How did we not do this yet? Right. This is like D&D 101. So... He, uh, Montague says, quite a few of my players have at, ha, at, have at least had some experience with roleplay, whether it's text-based through MMOs like WoW or Final Fantasy XIV or some other method. One of my players had zero experience in roleplaying, something I think a lot of people go through when it's their first uh, try, their, when they first try their hand at it and have issues with separating character from out of character. This caused a lot of tension at the table when... This character would do reckless and foolish things that endangered the party. When the party in turn kept trying to explain this to him in character, he felt like they were ganging up on him, the player, um, and turning on him as their friend. Regardless of the players and, regardless if the players and I Regardless of the players and I explaining to him outside of the game that we have no problems with him as a person and still consider him a friend, it all woefully ended with him leaving the table on less than great terms. No amount of diplomacy helped. Thankfully, since his departure, he has come around and remains friends and realized he is unable to separate the two aspects of the game. I'm sure your friend is not the only person that can't do this. I have met many people at my table that can't separate when the players are disagreeing and having an issue where they they get emotional by the responses of the way the players treat their character. And my answer to that is, don't be a dick. If you don't do dickish shit, nobody will have a reason to, to treat your character like shit. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah. Um. That's, that's the easiest solution. If you... It, Yes, don't take shit personally, but if you can't handle that, then don't play a character that nobody's going to like. Because if you can't separate the two, you should be playing a character that just agrees with everybody. Because otherwise, you're going to get bitchy and angry and upset. Don't do that. Grow up. Be an adult. Now, if you're a kid and you're listening to this, first of all, you shouldn't be. You're a kid and our show is not suitable for young children. (laughs) Um, And secondly, if you can't separate character actions from players then you probably should just play a character that isn't a douche so do you guys have anything to add to that yeah i've had an experience that was like this at one point uh sorry no no it was actually between me and the wife Uh uh-oh shit no Uh we were in i think it was a goblin cave we were here we had two tables set up we had two dms going on and uh we took too long and we were talking too loud and the guard and the goblin uh, cave hurt us. He came to attack us. Shot you in the ass. And our objective was to save the prisoners who were in the next room. Was I running that game? I think so. I think I remember yes. this. We, yeah, of course you remember because you thought it was genius. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I ran I in there to try and help the prisoners. And Jesse, my wife, 
went up, saw the prisoners, saw me, looked back and saw the big bad guy and said, fuck it. And she ran. She left. <laughs> she left you? And, I, and of course, I died. I got knocked prone and I was at zero and I got stabbed by a bunch of little little guys. And they're like, ah, you're dead. <laughs> I had no chance for death saves. And at first I was like, did I make her mad? Did I do something wrong? Did I not do the dishes that night? <laughs> and then I remember that on her sheet, uh, one of her ideals or, or something like that, say, stated that she will only look out for herself. If that she's is certainly it, a flaw. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is a flaw. But if she's if she sees that everyone's in danger and she can save herself, she will. So she was just playing the characters like, oh, right, that makes sense. But you kind of you didn't understand that, so you got kind of bent out of shape at first. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you helping me? I just my character's dead. Thanks, hon. Like she showed me the paper. Went, oh right. You know, your character's a dick. That's right. I forgot about that. I put it perfectly. (laughs) It's a game. (laughs) You know, I remember on the one of the D and D Facebook groups about how people there's some guys complaining like I hate it when people justify things as, but that's what my character would do. I think we've had that talk. I know, but let's face it. There are sometimes kind of what you just said. But that is what their character would do. Right, right. In fact, I remember like one of the examples that one of the p- people gave was apparently there was one time where his mage character he took a f- one of his character traits was he is like obsessed with books because he he was a bookworm, and they <laughs> and there was one point point where they got into a fight in a library. Sorry, and there's one point <laughs> where they got into a fight in, in a library and which caught on fire. And although the players hated him at the time because his character, instead of engaging in combat, went, I must save the bugs! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Even though that fit that character. Right. Well, even I, even I got a character that has a strange flaw, and it's Razlin, my, my wizard that's undead. Yeah. Uh, he looks undead, that's, that's the reflavoring. And that his flaw is, is he's terrified of spiders to the point to where he will build, burn down a building for no reason. Well, his reason is killing the spiders. Yeah, well, you, you get the idea. I do. Is that escalated beyond all reason? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's well, my wife. Like we'll be li- living, li- sitting on the couch, and there's a spider twenty feet away on the wall. We're like, ah, just kill it, kill it, kill it! Or I remember for like, okay. for one of my characters, the thought I gave him was he can't read, but he won't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just makes it up. Yeah, the map says we go uh, left. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely, guys. <laughs> East? I thought you said weast. <laughs> uh, that was Spongebob Alright, uh, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast Don't, Don't be, be a dick, dick. Yeah, I'll still follow the directions on this paper You should uh, check this out Just so we're on the same page Yeah, <laughs> see I wouldn't I'd just be like, yep, we go left <laughs> um, That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick And you can avoid dickitude by not taking shit personally <laughs> Boy, take it too by not getting butt hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, before we close out, we have another gift to give away compliments of our sponsor. A small village, empty of villages except for one boy, found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? (laughs) Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? Brandon, who's our winner today? 
Our winner is Jay Tormond. Congratulations, Jay Tormond. You are this week's winner of Jeff Stevens' The Madhouse of Tasha's, Tasha's Kiss. Kiss yeah. I forgot what it was for a minute. That might be Tormund. <laughs> uh, whatever, Tormund. Tormund Giant's Bay from Game of Thrones. Anyways, uh, <laughs> congratulations. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over and leave Jeff Stevens' review and tell him what you liked about his product. Yay. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes, we will discuss corruption rules from Matt Mercer. This is all about how to corrupt the lands and let it slowly and gradually influence the player's actions. Oh, it's, it's dope. I cannot wait to go through it. So, If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. Uh, you can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. And if you need some on-the-fly tips, you can catch us on TikTok, apparently. <laughs> yes, I'm on TikTok, <laughs> at Crit Academy. Um, we apologize in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, because that's what I was thinking. Uh, we also have now have a YouTube page. Um, I think I might have said that before, but I'm actually starting to do some stuff with it. So make sure you go over there and follow us. Um, keep an eye out for some really dope shit. Get notified of some stuff coming out. So We hope you enjoyed your, your experience at Crit Academy. And if you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on your platform of choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoyed the show. Yeah. I love getting those emails. I get them so regularly. It it beefs up our uh, my ego quite a bit. We so still, we keep, still need to do that. A, like a mailbag episode or something? Yeah. Yeah. Also, make sure to give us a like and a share. If you would like to support the show, there are many ways to do it. The Best way to do it is to become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support our show. Every dollar goes to help making uh, our show better. You can purchase any one of our new products, our, our gun mage. Um, you can toss us a few dollars there. Pick up our Unearthed Tips and Tricks book. Please do that. <laughs> or pick up our brawler, uh, Path of the Barbarian, um, that is recently released. I think you'd really like that as well. Um, Brandon also does commissions. You can get full... Color, uh, color art and shoulder art. Um, uh, you can find that on Facebook. There are price guides there. Uh, also, check out our shop uh, on our website at criticademy.com. You can buy a t-shirt, a pillow, uh, a giant wall, whatever the hell this thing is hanging up behind us. What is that? Is that a wall tapestry. scroll? Tapestry. Tapestry. You can really show love for us by getting like an eight-foot tapestry of, with our logo on it. If you, if you like you our background, you can have it too. Yeah. <laughs> The exact same thing. <laughs> um, you can find it on our Twitch. We have a Twitch channel too. You can watch a bunch of our monthly uh, streams. <laughs> we're fucking everywhere. Yeah, we, we are. We're uh, like herpes. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to our show at CraigCammy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You also find links to our fellowship members there. If you have not checked out D&D Character Lab, um, Garen and Dan do an awesome job of building amazing characters and arguing whose baby is better. Uh, Gabe and Jeff at, uh, at Interparty Conflict answer your questions. Those guys are doing an amazing job, and they are... Gabe is very thought-provoking, so definitely check that stuff out. Um, and, of course, Brute Force and Ignorance is the new actual play podcast that has been part... Come, uh, has joined the Crit Nation, so definitely check him out. There are many other content creators on the Crit Nation site, so definitely check it out. They all got amazing content. Um, I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs> <laughs>